number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Sean Kleisinger. Rider Nation, what's up? Sean Kleisinger here filling in for Michael Ball today. Once again, Blaine Weiland, my friend, across the board here. And we are just another day closer to some football on Saturday. McMahon Stadium is going to be the location. And your Saskatchewan Rough Riders will serve as the competition versus those Stampeders. And I cannot wait for it. I'm just uh, itching. You know, another day at practice today for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And, uh, you know, fingers crossed. It doesn't seem like there's any... New injuries, which is good, obviously. So uh, we are off to a good start here on this Wednesday. And uh, we have a nice show lined up for you today. The quarterback of the Toronto Argonauts, who quarterbacked his team to a 1-0 start on Sunday versus those Hamilton Tiger Cats, Chad Kelly, will be hopping on the Western Pizza Hotline with us here right at 3.30 p.m. sharp. So I uh, can't wait for that. And uh, I'm going to ask Chad if, uh, you know, well... I'm going to ask him, since the Blue Jays won today, Blaine, you know, I'm going to ask Chad Kelly if he's a baseball fan, if he goes to any games, because I am jealous at people that, you know, live in Toronto sometimes. Don't get me wrong, I love me, my Saskatchewan home province, but I also love my Blue Jays, and it Mm -hmm. would be nice just to wake up one day and just walk to a ballpark and go to a a Blue Jays game, you know? So I'm going to ask Chad Kelly if he likes him self some baseball. You know, is that a good I'm, idea? I'm thinking he does have a little bit of a baseball background, if I'm not mistaken. Not like a major baseball background, but I think he's got a little bit behind his, yeah. in his background. So We're going to find out. You can uh, be sure of that right at 3.30 today. And also, uh, speaking of the Blue Jays, well, the Blue Jays, they won this afternoon 6-3 to in Miami versus those Marlins. So just like that, you know, 48 hours ago for the Blue Jays, it was all doom and gloom. Like, people were calling for John Schneider's head. You know, they wanted Ross Atkins fired. Mark Shapiro fired. They wanted everything. Clean house. That was 48 hours ago after the series opening loss versus the Marlins when the Blue Jays lost 11 to nothing. Well, yesterday the Blue Jays won 2 to nothing. So feeling pretty good, right? And then going into today, you know, they're just kind of thinking in the back of their minds, well, if we can win this one, all of a sudden, you know, a really bad road trip doesn't look so bad. Now, with that said and done, the Jays did win today 6-3. to So they finished the nine-game road trip with a 4-5 and record instead of what was looking like maybe was going to be a 2-7 and or 3-6 and record. But no, no, no. It's 4-5 and instead. So that's a whole lot better than, you know, what it was looking like. And now the Blue Jays, they have tomorrow off. And then they start up a nine-game homestand on Friday night as the lonely. And when I say lonely, I mean lonely. Oakland Athletics roll into Rogers Center on Friday night. And why do I say lonely? Well, because they have 19 wins. A baseball team in Major League Baseball has 19 wins. Can you believe that? And that team will be in Toronto starting on Friday for a three-game weekend series. And then after that, the Blue Jays uh, will be uh, taking on the San Francisco Giants and then the Boston Red Sox on Canada Day weekend. So uh, that's your Blue Jay, Phil. We will hear from Ben Wagner to kick off Hour 2, as well as uh, Dave Poulin, former Philadelphia Flyer, 
former Boston Bruin, former Washington Capitol, he will be hopping on the Western Pizza Hotline in Hour 3 because yesterday the Philadelphia Flyers released some brand new threads. But at the same time, they're not really new. They kind of look like, you know, the type of jersey that Dave Poulin used to wear and Eric Lindros and all those great uh, players. Obviously, Lindros was after Poulin, but uh, the Philadelphia Flyers looking really fresh. So we're going to talk to Dave Poulin about that. And as well, one week from tonight is the NHL draft. And Dave Poulin is the guy. If you want to know something about an NHL trade, Dave Poulin is the guy to go to. He is your trade specialist. So we're going to ask Dave Poulin if he can, you know, maybe picture a trade happening within the first five picks of the first round here on, uh, well, a week from today. And we all know that the Chicago Blackhawks, they are not going to be trading their pick. So I I think I'm still going to ask Dave Poulin that. You know, I'm going to ask him, so is there any chance, you know, is there any chance that the Blackhawks trade the number one overall pick? And he's probably, he might hang up the phone on us if I ask him that. He might be thinking, who am I talking to here? I'm out of here. But uh, Dave Poulin at 5.15, and then it is a Wednesday today. It is a Wednesday, so that means another edition of Where Are They Now coming up at 5.30. With David Benefield. Remember him? David Benefield? Of course you remember him. Number seven for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And Blaine, he also played for your San Francisco 49ers at one point, mm-hmm. 1996. He was teammates with Jerry Rice. He was teammates with Steve Young. And that was Terrell Owens' rookie year as well. He was teammates with Terrell Owens. So remind me, I got to make sure that I uh, ask David Benefield about that. Maybe he has a story, a story or two to tell us. Sounds like a lot of winners there. Yeah. Hey, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. That was a really good uh, football team. So all that coming up here on this Wednesday edition of the Sports Cage. Uh, But uh, before I carry on any further, I do want to recognize that today is a very important day across our uh, great country of ours because it is indeed National Indigenous Peoples Day. We are recognizing and celebrating the history, heritage, resilience, diversity of First Nations, Inuit, and Métis across Canada today. So uh, a very important day indeed. And uh, just can't let that slip under your radar as uh, I was actually hoping to get a hold of uh, Marshall Paulus, who is a, a First Nations uh, a First Nation, rather, and he used to play for the Saskatchewan Rush, and he was traded during the season to the Albany Firehawks, I believe they're called, of the National Lacrosse League. And uh, I sent him a message, and he was going to get back to me. He wasn't quite sure if he could make it on today, but I, I did, you know, make an effort to get a hold of Marshall, and we shall see what happens there. Uh, maybe Wavell Star as well will join the show today. Uh, to talk about National Indigenous Peoples Day. But uh, at home here in Ryderville, a lot going on. Uh, you know, the Riders back at practice today, and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders also making some moves in the front office today as far as signing people. Uh, they have signed National Linebacker Brian Haralamana and uh, National Defensive Back Kosi Onyeka today. And Haralamana was uh, selected by the Marial Alouettes in the fourth round of uh, the 2020 draft, it was, I believe. Yes, the 2020 draft. All these years, sometimes, they kind of blunt together with uh, with COVID kind of in the middle of it. Uh, but uh, Haralamana, he played 27 games for the Owls, and he had about 15 tackles. He played some time on special teams. So, uh 
you know, in the light of all these in- injuries happening in Ryderville right now, we are seeing some uh, signings go across the wire. And also, with that said, uh, Kosi Onyeka is the other signing. He returns to the Riders after attending training camp with the club earlier this season. Uh, he's 23 years young, so he has a lot of football ahead of him. And he saw action in eight games last year. It was almost half the season that he played last year for the Riders. He uh, uh, saw some time on defense. He had a couple tackles there, a couple on special teams. So Kosi Onyeka back in Ryderville today. And I mentioned off the top of the show that uh, the good thing is not really any new injuries to report. I am looking at the official injury report, which was released uh, exactly seven minutes ago from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, did not practice today. Let's go through it. Albert Awachi, Frankie Hickson did not practice. Anthony Lanier II did not practice. Uh, Juwan Breskison, Demarcus Christmas, Jane Dalkey, Roland Milligan Jr., and Rodney Clemens rounds out the list of... Uh, Players that did not practice today. And Kari Vedvik, once again, was limited. Nick Marshall, full participant. Derek Moncrief, full as well. And Miles Brown, uh, back on the practice field today. And Nick Daly, he did not practice. I forgot to mention him with that head injury. And uh, Lake Corte Moore, it was good to see him back on the field today. Now, it was... Uh, a bit of you know it was kind of limited for Lake Corte more today, but limited is better than nothing at all. So that is your official injury report on this Wednesday, and uh, well, there's no better source to go to to ask about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the happenings than the headman Craig Dickinson, and this is him after practice today. Yeah, wait for the report. Uh, but the good news is we made it through practice with everybody. Um, finishing so uh, we're a little beat up there's no doubt but i think think we're going to be all right we'll see how it goes you mentioned you were hopeful yesterday though that some guys will be returning by the end of the week do you still feel yeah, that way yeah i'm still hopeful had a few guys limited practice today which was good hopefully we can get them doing a little bit more tomorrow you have concerns about the current canadian depth you guys signed two more canadian defenders kind of looks like you might do the nationalized american sure yeah i don't think concerns the right word britain but you always have to Work on improving your roster, and, and and Canadian depth is always an issue, and always something each team has challenges trying to trying to address. So we we want to make sure we've got good Canadians. I feel like we have good Canadians here. Those players you're optimistic about are they Dalkey, Milligan, and Lanier? Those yeah, are the guys? yeah, Dalkey, Milligan, Lanier, Corte Moore, Awachi, a lot of them. Okay. Kendall Watson, what what are your plans for him this week? Well, we got to just decide how we're going to dress. Right now, we're not sure, but. Kendall's been a guy that has really uh, improved each and every day, Rob, and he's a guy that I think by the end of the year will play. I don't know if he'll play just yet, but by the end of the year I see him playing. How about Moncrief uh, trending? More progress. Moncrief trending up. He got through today fine. We'll see how he feels when he goes in, but we're hopeful that he can play. What would he bring you? Experience, you know, and physicality as long as he's feeling good, you know. He's a good football player. He was a priority signing for us a couple years ago, and we're hopeful to get him back 100% soon. I'm doing a piece on A.J. Allen. What is your, uh, what does he bring to you? Well, he's a second-year guy, and so you're seeing that jump in production. A.J.'s really athletic. A.J.'s very versatile. You know, he can play defensive line and or linebacker, so we feel like he's got some versatility for us, and he, he seems to really gel well with the room. So he's been a, he's been a good addition and, a, and a, you know, a key guy this, this year so far. 
I think we coined this as the Dickinson Bowl uh, oh, yeah. years ago. Does it have any significance as the years go on? No, it really doesn't. I mean, it's you know, it, we play each other so much over the years that it does. It it has significance for our team, and it has significance for Calgary's team. We're both one and one, and I think they're into a bye as as we are. So it's a lot nicer to be going into a bye two and one than one and two. So it's a big game. There's no side brotherly bets on who's going to buy dinner no, next time. No, yeah, it's me all the time. I buy. <laughs> I'm the older brother, so I end up buying all the time anyways. Your parents are at the game this weekend, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they're going to be in town. I don't know if they'll be at the game, Rob, but they'll be in, in Calgary for it for sure. What have, you, uh, what have you seen from Calgary? Both these teams kind of major changes in the offseason. Yeah, I see both teams still trying to kind of get their footing. I, it's hard to tell early in the season what a team's going to be like, but I see a Calgary team that's got – good experience and key positions. I think they're still trying to find the right mix and match of dudes. Uh, but it's a good team, well coached, always well prepared. It'll be a tough challenge. Harris mentioned yesterday that they really want to get this win for Sean Dean. Is that kind of the message? Yeah, what it, you know, whatever works for them, I'm good with. We, we need this win for our team. Um, you know, it's still early in the season, so you don't, you don't panic either way. But it would be a nice way to go into the, into the break with a win. What facet from the Winnipeg game do you want to see the most improvement from your team this week? I'd like to see us be able to run the ball better, you know, and there's a lot, a lot of reasons why it didn't happen, but that would be an area I'd like to see us do that. Well, Calgary as a team, uh, you know, coming off week two, facing one of, if not the best offense in the league in Winnipeg, what does Calgary in particular uh, uh, give you on, on the offense? Well, they're going to give you a lot of different looks. I mean, they're, well coached. They've got a lot of a lot of brain power on that offense, and I think Jake Mayer is a good quarterback. I mean, they moved on from Bo for a reason because they felt like he was the guy. So um, you're going to see a lot of a lot of underneath stuff. You're going to see a lot of formational stuff, and I think we've got to do a good job of identifying what they're doing, communicating on the, on the defensive side, and then playing fast and being physical. In terms of the ratio and whatnot, expect to get uh, Mitch Pickens. Yeah, we expect to go. Um, we haven't decided yet, but we got two good Canadian receivers, and we'll see how it goes. That's head coach Craig Dickinson after practice today on this Wednesday. And, man, getting closer to the game day, and it's a 5 p.m. kickoff on Saturday, so that means our pregame show will be live and on the air right at 2 p.m. with Daniela Ponticelli, countdown the kickoff. And then the hour leading up to kickoff is the Ryder Nation pregame show with Michael Ball, Luke Mullinder. They will be live from the broadcast booth at McMahon Stadium. And then, yes, kickoff itself right at 5 p.m. on Saturday and then followed by the fifth quarter. And then the Sports Cage Radio Roundtable taking you on through the night. No better coverage you will find anywhere across this country when it comes to a Canadian Football League team than right here on 620 CKRM. Don't forget, right at 3.30 today, so, oh, about eight minutes from now or so, Chad Kelly, the quarterback of the Toronto Argonauts, joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. You are listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And we are back here inside the Sports Cage plus 21 in the Queen City right now. Another nice day in Regina, Saskatchewan. And uh, we are going to be joined by Chad Kelly right at 3.30. So we will take a break a little earlier on. Uh, than usual today to uh, compensate for that. Our news is coming up in a few minutes 
here, but I do want to tell you that uh, the ratings from this past week in the Canadian Football League are out. And that Winnipeg at Saskatchewan game, nearly 700,000 viewers on average took in that game on Friday night. By far the most of the week. The next closest was uh, the Saturday game, Edmonton at BC with 529,000. And uh, overall, the week two average, about 440,000 viewers tuning in to uh, watch Canadian football. So uh, awesome news there. And we're going to be talking later on in the show about uh, some new uniforms maybe coming up here in the Canadian Football League. I saw a little video tease today. Now, it's not Toronto, of course, because they already released theirs. It's another team in the East that we will talk about uh, later on in the show. We will hit the break right now, though. Your news is next, followed by your Saskatchewan Rattler report, and then the quarterback of the Toronto Argonauts, Chad Kelly, on the Western Pizza Hotline, coming up here in a few moments. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And back inside the sports cage with your sports ticker on the other side of the sports ticker. In about one minute, we will be joined by Chad Kelly, the quarterback of the Toronto Argonauts. And speaking of Toronto, the Blue Jays won this afternoon versus the Miami Marlins 6-3. to So the Jays take the series and they finish the road trip with a 4-5 and record. Bo Bichette was removed from today's starting lineup with some uh, left uh, left thumb discomfort, and uh, Jays have an off day tomorrow. We'll start a nine-game homestand on Friday night at the Rogers Center when the Oakland Athletics are in town to start up a three-game weekend series. We're sitting courtside to bring you the latest on professional basketball in Saskatchewan. This is your Rattlers Report. And despite a back-and-forth battle, the Saskatchewan Rattlers lost their fourth game in a row on Saturday night, falling 92-89 to to the host Vancouver Bandits. After a slow start to the game, both teams started sinking some baskets in the last four minutes of the opening quarter, which ended with Saskatchewan holding a nice 14-12 to lead. And then the Rattlers came out strong in the second quarter, pulling ahead 34-24 with a couple minutes left to play in the half. But then the Bandits, they just slowly but surely clawed their way back to only be down by two points at the intermission. So next up for the Rattlers, a date in Winnipeg versus the Sea Bears coming up here on Friday night at the Canada Life Center. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Back inside the Sports Cage here on this Wednesday I'm Sean Kleisinger filling in for Michael Ball today, Blaine Weiland alongside me. And another day closer to week three in the Canadian Football League. And uh, we are now honored to be joined by one of the starting quarterbacks here in the Canadian Football League. The starting quarterback of the Toronto Argonauts joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Chad Kelly, uh, thanks for your time today, my friend. Congrats on the win on Sunday. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, hey, before we get into football, uh, how are you enjoying you know, living in the city of Toronto? I mean, uh, when you're not playing football, what does uh, Chad Kelly do in the six? You know, do you like some art galleries, restaurants, museums? What are you, what are you up to in Toronto, Ontario? Uh, usually me and my uh, beautiful lady, we take a nice bike ride down the water, um, go up into the city, and then head, head right back. Uh, if we find a, a nice, quaint little place, 
uh, to eat. We'll sit down and enjoy it outside for sure. Um, hopefully the weather is starting to turn for the best. And, uh, yeah, when I do that, otherwise I'm, I'm focused on football. Have you ever been to the Loose Moose on Front Street? <laughs> I have not, not. Not quite sure what that is either. No, it's 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 a nice little pub restaurant. I highly recommend it if you're ever around uh, uh, the Rogers Center area. And speaking of uh, baseball, are you a baseball fan? Maybe I was uh, going to ask maybe one of the things that you do, uh, you know, do you ever go to uh, Toronto Blue Jays game here or there, or is that not in the cards? I have not been to a Blue Jays game. Um, I'm looking forward to going to one hopefully soon. Um, and uh, am I a baseball fan? Yeah, definitely a baseball fan. Uh, I, I would ha- hate to say it, but, you know, I'm, I'm a Red Sox fan, actually. Mm. So uh, that's just what it is. <laughs> yeah. How, how did you uh, come on with the, the Boston Red Sox? Who taught you well, to be a Red Sox being, fan if, here? If, yeah, if I'm being honest, you know, being from New York, I can't like a New York team. I got to be against what everybody else likes. So, ah, yes. um, you know, I, I I one day got to meet uh, what was it? I guess Kurt Schilling. Mm-hmm. I think I think he played for them. Yeah, uh, blood so on the sock. Cool. Blood on the sock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, ever ever since I kind of just always been a Red Sox fan. Oh, that's awesome. Have you ever been to Fenway Park before? I have not, but I have been to Boston one time, so it, it is a beautiful place up there. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, do you have any? I was. Do you have any baseball background? Like, have you ever played baseball uh, growing up as a kid or in high school? Yeah, I, I played it growing up. Um, you know, it, it was. It's kind of weird. We were just talking about it today, actually. Um, you know, because Coach Dinwiddie played it growing up, and he was going to play in college. And uh, you know, I, I was. A, I was a lacrosse player. And then, you know, at the same time as baseball season. So, you know, you had to, you had to decide what are you going to play? Are you going to play baseball or lacrosse? And one time I, I decided I'd go to a uh, lacrosse uh, practice over a baseball practice, and I essentially kind of lost uh, trust of that, that coach. So he didn't uh, allow me to come back to play baseball anymore. Oh, I see. Chad Kelly, quarterback of the Toronto Argonauts joining us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. And we love our uniforms here inside the sports cage, Chad. So how are you feeling in, uh, you know, in the powder blue look from head to toe this year? I think I think it looks fantastic. Uh, I mean, it's it's something that every kid wants to be in is, is baby blue, right? So mm-hmm. um, to have that opportunity to, to, you know, represent the 150 years in, in these type of jerseys and helmets is, it looks pretty sweet. Yeah, and you have some experience wearing blue, of course, at uh, Ole Miss. Not quite, you know, powder blue. But uh, speaking of Ole Miss, uh, you played with Shea Patterson, correct, at uh, Ole Miss, quarterback for the Saskatchewan sure Rough Riders? Yep. What can you tell us about Shea Patterson? Because I know he's uh, become a fan favorite here. He had a nice preseason with the Riders, and uh, a lot of fans happy that he's on the roster here in 2023. Yeah, I, I think you're going to get a energetic guy. Uh, you're going to get a guy that's committed. Um, I, I think he has a very quick release. Um, you know, I, I, obviously he was very young when when I was around him, and, you know, his brother is a very smart football guy as well. So, you know, I had the pleasure of having him as kind of a GA my uh, junior and senior year. So, you know, I, I think uh, he's, he's going to be very good. I do. Uh, what quarterbacks did you look up to, whether in 
it was in high school, uh, high school rather, or college, like what quarterbacks did you kind of like watch tape on and kind of like want to model your game after? Or is it just kind of, do you know what? I'm Chad Kelly, baby. I'm going to be my own guy. You know, uh, I'll probably get some flack for this, but, you know, growing up, I, I always wanted to, you know, be able to run the ball and throw the ball. And as, as a kid, you know, my era was kind of the Mike Vick area. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, he was a guy that looked so good throwing the ball. It just looked so smooth. And, you know, even when I throw it lefty, I try to emulate how he throws. <laughs> Obviously, it, it's a little different. But, you know, the way he ran the ball and he was just so elusive and so accurate, such a quick release and just so fluid. And then, obviously, you know, you look at the Peyton Mannings who just, you know, directed their offense all the way down the field, and it was Mm. just so beautiful to watch. Hey, speaking of Mike Vick, man, you were kind of looking like Mike Vick on Sunday. You were looking like Mike Vick. You were playing on a Sunday. That little juke and jive at the goal line when you rushed it in there. Have you always had that in your bag of tricks, or are we just, uh, I mean, I guess... I should. We're not surprised. I mean, dating back to the Grey Cup last year, you had that huge run. But uh, man, that's a big part of your game, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, growing up, I, I didn't play quarterback. I played fullback and linebacker. So you know, it's kind of in my DNA to be able to be elusive. And and you know, I always thought growing up that that's what you had to do as a quarterback: not only throw the ball but run the ball. Yeah. Do you ever get any like us? You know. Do you ever get in trouble from your coaching staff or, you know, your players when you're, like, taking hits like that? Do they ever come up to you and be like, hey, man, like, you're our franchise guy. We don't need you going down here in week two, first game of the season. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, the coaches, you know, obviously uh, uh, put a bird in my ear like, hey, man, like, don't do that. And and to be honest, I got a minus on that play, too. So, you know – that that's where now I'm like okay I don't want to get a minus on that play so let me just get down. Yeah. So, so you mentioned you got a minus on the play. How did you grade out overall in uh, that uh, week? Well, I guess it was week two technically, but week one for you uh, for you guys, thirty two fourteen win. What what? Uh, how was your grading? Yeah, it was good. Um, you know, not not the best, not the worst. Um, I I I know what I got, but I'm not gonna about that because obviously that's, that's mm-hmm. a little um, personal. But uh, yeah, it was good for the first start. Um, I thought there, there's definitely some improvement. But, uh, you know, we're getting better each week and as long as we stay focused and, and keep getting better every snap, not just every game. Obviously, we want to go 1-0, and but the goal is to win each rep, right? 1-0 and each rep, each rep. I was watching the game on Sunday in the kitchen while I was uh, making some food, and I kind of caught the one play on the corner of my eye when you absolutely launched it. It was going left to right on the on the TV screen, and I can't remember who caught it again, but it seemed like it was like a sixty-five yard bomb. Do you know what? Do you know what throw I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, the one to Coxie. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, man, that was a nice. That was a nice throw. Like, have you always had uh, that type of arm strength? Because it just looks so effortless. Well, uh, you know, I think I think it's just in my DNA, right? I mean, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it's just in the DNA to be able to throw the ball far. Yeah. All right. So we have a big game coming up here on Sunday. Chad Kelly joining us, quarterback of the Toronto Argonauts, here for a few more moments. Big game coming up on Sunday at Commonwealth Stadium in Edmonton. Now, this is going to be a tough game because 
We all know the Edmonton Elks. I mean, that team and that fan base, they're just itching for a win right now. I think it's 18 games the team has lost at Commonwealth Stadium dating back to 2019. So uh, are you guys feeling any pressure going into this game, knowing that, you know, this is a really desperate team on the other side, or is it just business as usual? Yeah, I I think every game is is someone's playing desperate, right? Um, If you're not, then I don't know. You know, if that's the right sport for you because you're going out every game to, to give your best. I'm sure they have it in their back of their mind that, you know, they're on, you know, this long, long streak. But to us and, and to them, you know, it, it's about who goes out and performs better. Yeah. Well, uh, we appreciate you hopping on here uh, this afternoon here on the Saskatchewan Airwaves, Chad. And uh, best of luck to you the rest of the season. And I uh, can't wait to see you on uh on Sunday, and I guess you guys won't be in Regina until the last week of the regular season, I believe, so I can't wait to see you in person here as well. Thanks again for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Go Argos. All right, that's Chad Kelly, the quarterback of the Toronto Argonauts, joining us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. And those Argos will be taking on those Edmonton Elks, as I mentioned, on Sunday. And uh, I can't wait to tune in and watch that game because we're talking about uh, a very desperate team, like I said, and they're taking on a Grey Cup champion team, defending Grey Cup champion team. And, you know, something needs to give. Will it be the Elks suffering another loss or will, you know, the Toronto Argonauts be upset. So a lot of great storylines going into that one on Sunday. Big thanks once again to Chad Kelly joining us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. Heading to break, you're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the mighty 620 CKRM. 346 inside the sports cage. Sean Kleisinger sitting in for Michael Ball today. Ballsy will be back in the big chair tomorrow, and I will be across the board once again tomorrow as we are approaching game day. It's going to be a fun one. Saturday night, McMahon Stadium. It's always fun, those ones. I miss McMahon Stadium. I say that because I haven't been there in a while. But did you know, Blaine Weiland, that Zinger here... I was at the very first game that uh, Henry Burris played. Uh, how do I word this? Uh, it was July 23rd, 2005, the very first game uh, that he played against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders when he went to Calgary. It was July 23rd, 2005, and I was at that game. I was 13 years old at the time, and the Riders got absolutely trounced. It was like 41-13 or something like that. And I kid you not, I was wearing a watermelon on my head during the game. And after the game, as soon as I got out of the stadium, I took it off my head and I absolutely launched it onto the pavement and it exploded in like 50 pieces. It was, uh, and my dad kind of looked at me and was like, hey, don't do that. And I was like, and then I, you know, I started cussing and I was, I was a tempered child. Bottom line, moral of the story, I was a tempered child. I wanted to see my team win. You know, it was the second game that I saw the Riders play on the road. The first one was in 2001 in Edmonton, and the Riders also lost that one. I think it was 14-12 to off the top of my head. Neilon Green was actually the quarterback for the then Eskimos, and I think Marvin Graves was our quarterback. Oh, yeah. So, uh, 
never never really saw the riders win on the road before uh, you know so uh you know, in McMahon Stadium, I, you, you mentioned about seeing Henry Burris for the first time against the Rough Riders. I saw Jeff Garcia's first game ever when he stepped into the lineup at McMahon Stadium. Uh, he uh, stepped in relief for Doug Flutie in 1995 Ooh. when they were taking on the Birmingham Barracudas, oh, who were nice. led by none other than Matt Dunnigan. I was, like, it was the only time I've ever seen a Rough Rider game, uh, or a Rough Rider game, a non-Rider, a non-Rough game. Rider yeah. game uh, was that game against uh, Calgary and Birmingham, and I believe the Barracudas came back to win by a field goal late in that one. It was a, it was one of those years that Calgary's were on top. But, yeah, uh, yeah it was a really good game. But uh, that, that's uh, my rare that's, trip to McMahon. That's pretty. Uh, do you have any, like, pictures? Like, that was that was the era before phones and stuff, man. Yeah. So, like, I even remember, you know, used to take the disposable cameras to games <laughs> and stuff. I don't think I got any of that game. Yeah. Like, I got some, like, years past at the... Taylor Field, mm-hmm. but uh, not that one, McMahon. I don't think we ever did take one, but because yeah. uh, I mean, we didn't care who win that game. But uh, hey, the, still, the still best, turn to one. the best pictures are the pictures kept in your mind, the memories. <laughs> don't forget it. That's coming from Zinger. I always kick myself though that I never uh, took any pictures from my very first Blue Jays game I went to in two thousand four. Oh, yeah. I just think to myself, oh, like, what was I thinking? I went to the game, but, uh, yeah, no, can't can't wait for the game coming up here on Saturday. And uh, I wonder how many watermelons will be exploding outside of the stadium. Hopefully not too many because, you know, maybe that means that the riders put together a good performance. That's one thing that we need to get back going to. Exploding watermelons? Not, not the exploding <laughs> them, but just carving them, nursing them, you know? Yeah. The art of the watermelon head, I feel like, has been lost in recent years. I don't know if it's because of the foam watermelon heads. You know, you can buy, you know, like the foam cheese head. Yeah. You can yeah. buy the foam watermelon heads. But that's that's boring. You know, go to the store, pick up a nice melon, take it home, slap it on your table, and go to work. What's Carve the, that sucker. What is the price of a watermelon these days? No, now? that's a good question. Maybe I'll go to the <laughs> store tonight and, and check it out. But that's one thing that you don't really see too much anymore. I feel like that was kind of like a a mid to late 2000s into the yeah. 2010s look like yeah. that was that was like the 2007 Grey Cup era look and it kind of carried into 2013 I feel yeah, like Yeah, I was going to say t- 2007 to 2013 that feels like that era yeah. the, mo- the watermelon head era. That, yeah, that that yeah, so I wonder what like I don't know. Maybe I'm just not looking for them. Maybe if I looked for them, I'd see more of them. But, uh, hey, we will see some new uniforms on the Montreal Alouettes coming up here in a few short weeks. Like I said with Chad Kelly on the Western Pizza Hotline a few minutes ago, we love our unis inside the sports cage, right? Well, the Montreal Alouettes, they were teasing a new alternate uniform today. And I saw they released a video in the social media post Made a little reference to 1946 when the club wore some red unis with white numbers and white stripes. So, uh, based on the brief snapshots featured in the video, it appears the new alternate uniforms will be featured or will feature red and, uh, red uniforms and pants and white numbers on those red unis with some blue stripes. So, uh, the, the club's blue helmets, however, they appear to, uh, have been left 
unchanged. And I feel like I explained that bad. So I'm just going to say it appears the new alternate uniforms will feature red uniforms and pants with white numbers and blue stripes. So if you can picture that. And as I just said, uh, the blue helmet will be staying the, uh, staying the same. And the rumor is that they will wear these new puppies in week four when the Owls host the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Montreal uh, visits Hamilton this week on Friday Night Football. So some new uniforms to look forward to in the Canadian Football League. I really like what the league has done, or I don't know if it's up to the league, but I like what the teams in this league have done with the uniforms this year. The BC Lions looking really sharp. Uh, those black ones that they wore uh, yeah. over the weekend. I like those. Mm, those are nice. I really uh, like those, yeah. yeah. Not quite looking like when Damon Allen was there, Sean Millington, you know, that era, G. Roy Simon, because they had the silver helmet and the silver pants back then. Yep, yep. But these ones, the helmet looking pristine, nice and shiny, the nice black jerseys, black pants, so they were looking really sharp. Uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, on the other hand, Worst uniforms in the league. I don't know what's going on. No, I'm just their their unis are okay. Uh, speaking of the BC Lions, though, some news out of Vancouver today. Uh, the BC Lions they will get star uh, star receiver Lucky Whitehead back from injury when they take on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on Thursday. It's all it's not all good news though, unfortunately, if you're a Lions fan because Dominic Rhymes will miss the game due to a foot injury. So you get one back and you lose one. So the Lions will have to wait a little longer to see Lucky Whitehead and Dominic Rhymes on the same field together again. But Lucky Whitehead will be in the lineup coming up here uh, on Thursday. I was going to say this weekend, but no, it kicks off the week this week, Thursday. Uh, big game. I mean, the battle of... Two 2-0 teams. It's slated for 6.30 p.m. Saskatchewan time at IG Field in Winnipeg. Who do you see winning that one, by the way? I, I was kind of going back and forth. I was trying to make some bets, some picks in my mind. I have like a note, a notepad on my phone where every single week I kind of yeah. just like scroll through it and make some predictions, see if I can win myself a $20 bill or something. But uh, I don't know. It's like a pick them in my mind right now. I don't know who to pick in this game. Yeah, you know, are we just talking like straight up winners? Because then I I probably lean towards Winnipeg. If you're talking about points in mm. that, I might slide towards BC a little bit. But do you think the whoever wins it will be within three points? That's what I need to know right now. Three points, eh? Will uh, it be within a field goal? Uh, I, I'm kind of leaning towards BC win, or sorry, Winnipeg winning by a touchdown. So I think between that three to seven range is what I'm kind of thinking right now. Well, maybe I just won't bet on that game then because I'm not <laughs> I'm not picking the bombers. I'm not going to sit back and and cheer for the bombers yeah, for money. Uh, that's the type of that's the type of better I am though. I don't uh, you know I don't make bets if I know that I'm going to be miserable watching the game. <laughs> like for example, if the Jays play the Yankees, I'm not going to be. Even if the Yankees have like a good, you know, spread to mm-hmm. win the game or whatever, I'm not going to bet on the Yankees. It's just like I'm, I'm not going to throw my pride out the window for a twenty dollar bill. You know what I mean? You don't believe in dirty money? No, I I know Colin Lovequist is in here. <laughs> he he's the same way. Like he, no, you you can't sell your soul for the dollar bill. A I, true you, fan would do that. No, exactly. A true fan don't do that. That's why. At the end of the day, I'm not a big sports better because, yeah, I'm going to pump my own tires. I feel like I'm a pretty big fan. I'm, you know, 
I love my teams. So are you the same way? I don't know. I'm think I was just saying when you're talking about uh, sports betting, betting your team. I'm thinking just right now. Pete Rose is probably <laughs> sitting pretty right now. I yeah. with, the, with the Cincinnati Reds and the way they roll, especially since he made that first. I believe the first bet he made in Cincinnati was for the Reds to win the World Series this year. Uh, when he made that first bet in uh, Cincinnati this year, yeah. which probably looked a little bit crazy, but now that they're in first place, but uh, I don't know. I th- I'm about the sports betting. I don't know. It's I, I think it's okay, but I agree with you in terms of you got to separate those emotions. Say that's a key thing. You can't mix them together when you're getting involved. Put in it that this way. way: Do you ever bet against the San Francisco 49ers? Right now, no. <laughs> right now, no. When they were, eh, yeah, I would. How did you feel sitting back on your lazy boy watching that? Because, you know, you're supposed to be a fan cheering for your team, Blaine Wyland. Well, we, you're but, breaking rules. Well, when you play Fandom fantasy rules. When you play fantasy football, good God. Oh, don't get me started. I don't think we have time to get into fantasy football. There's because, a lot of conflict. Hey, there's a lot of conflict, oh. but you know what? It, when you pl- have your players against your team, you just worry about the yards. You don't worry about touchdowns. Fantasy football <laughs> ruins fandom. I guarantee you, like 30 years from now, there's going to be no fans of sports teams anymore. Every, I disagree with everybody's you. Everybody's just going to be cheering for players. I will never forget. I was in a <laughs> bar outside of Lambeau Field in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and I was sitting beside a Packer fan, a so called Packer fan, and he was watching the Minnesota Vikings on the TV in front of us take on the Chicago Bears. Or, no, sorry, it was uh, the Minnesota Vikings and Philadelphia Eagles. And this guy was cheering for the Minnesota Vikings because he had a dollar bill or two on it. <laughs> and I, I actually got in a little bit of a kerfuffle with him. I looked at him. I was like, come on, man. Like, wh-, you know, there would have been watermelons on the ground there if you would have saw yeah. him, if you had one. eh? Well, in this case, it was a cheese head <laughs> on the ground. I couldn't believe my eyeballs or my ears. But, uh, you know, this was a fun hour one coming up in hour two. We will hear from the voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, Ben Wagner. He was fresh off calling a. Blue Jays win today. 6-3 to three was the final score. And Ben Wagner, he's usually the radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays. But uh, the last couple series, he's been the TV voice of the Toronto Blue Jays on Sportsnet. So we will ask him about that on the other side of the news. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Sean Kleisinger. We're talking baseball with the latest on the Jays and the MLB. It's Around the Horn with Ben Wagner on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Back inside the sports cage for hour two, Sean Kleisinger filling in for Michael Ball today. Blaine Wyland across the board for me. And the radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, Ben Wagner, joining us here with the weekly Around the Horn installment. And during this road trip, though, for the Jays, Ben Wagner has been the TV voice for the team on Sportsnet. So uh, we'll start there. How fun have the past few series been, Ben, you know, working alongside Joe Siddle in the TV booth? Uh, it's a dream come true, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I had a little bit of a taste of TV life last season working with Tabby and then in spring training. But once you get into now what, what are referred to as the dog days of summer, you know, every game means something. Certainly with every game and the expectations that the Blue Jays have, these games mean a lot. They mean a lot to the people. They mean a lot to the Blue Jays fans. So you're just trying to do a good job. And uh, I, I always love talking to people. I love the team concept. 
That's why I love the day-to-day routine and broadcasting baseball. And, and to take it a step further, everything that happens in concert behind the scenes, too, I've really enjoyed sinking my teeth into and, and trying to get a feel for what it's like to provide these little captions to all the pictures on Sportsnet. So it's been a ton of fun. It's awesome to be back on the road, be around the ball club, and a longer sample size. I'm looking forward to working with Buck once we get back into Toronto coming up tonight for that series over the weekend. That's awesome. Uh, how does your uh, preparation differ when you're uh, calling a game on radio compared to on TV? Well, the preparation for my day-to-day doesn't differ all that often. Um, it, you know, there may be some interesting ideas graphically, yeah. or maybe the producer would have an idea. Maybe Joe has specifically asked for something in terms of a breakdown. So it's a lot of communication. So I'm trying to come up with little nuggets to build around whatever I can highlight with Joe. It, like, Joe should be the star of the show. You know, I'm going to call the play-by-play, but when it comes down to the nuances within the game, Joe's got to take the reins, and I want to be there to compliment and support him and be the traffic cop in between what goes on on the field, what goes on in the truck, and then how to orchestrate around Joe Siddle or maybe Hazel May on the sidelines as a story, how to, how to enable all those people and, you know, try to try to be the conductor of all this. So when it comes to the preparation, I I really tried to not overthink it, to be honest with you. I tried to use my same routine coming to the ballpark, my same routine in the morning, around a cup of coffee and my game day preparation, and then just um, try to use less words. (laughs) I I try to use less words once we got to the broadcast because, as you know, when you're watching, you can see a ground ball Mm -hmm. uh, a certain way or, you know, just try try to limit the the descriptions with with the TV component. That was going to be kind of my next question is, is that kind of like hard? Do you have to like keep reminding yourself throughout the broadcast to, you know, don't, uh, don't say this, don't say this. We're on TV right now. I'm not on radio. Do you have to kind of keep reminding yourself of that? You know, I've been fortunate in my career to shift gears and cover other sports on television. Um, The short answer is, yeah, you do. You have to be aware of it. But instead of seeing, you know, a ground ball, ground ball to third diving shot by Chapman, it's what a play by Chapman. Yeah. Or Chapman elevates or Chapman rips it out of the air, Um, you know, to just add this instinct, this gut reaction, this uh, capsule of a moment on the TV side instead of encompassing the entire play because you've got this blank canvas of radio. Now I'm just basically providing a snippet for everything that, for the most part, in, in, in action, um, that play. But I think, you know, certain plays as they develop, and we had a play at the plate today, you know, those moments, here's the play at the plate, they still carry yeah. regardless of the media. Yeah. Voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, Ben Wagner with us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. And, hey, let's talk about these Blue Jays. What a difference 48 hours makes, huh? I mean, after Monday night's 11 to nothing thrashing, it kind of felt like the world was caving in right before our eyes. You know, fans wanting a new manager, wanting a new GM, on and on it went. Just craziness, by the way, as his team is just knocking on the door for a wild card spot. But then a two to nothing win yesterday versus the Marlins, and a six to three win this afternoon versus the, those very same Marlins. And then just like that, the Jays win the series versus Miami and finish this road trip with a four and five record. Now four and five isn't great, but it's a lot better than three and six or two and seven, like it was looking like it was going to be. 
Yeah, it was the road trip was pretty bleak through Baltimore and then Texas, especially the way that Texas series started, which is tremendous outing by Gosman. The bullpen was outstanding, and then three straight thuds. And the the goal for every Blue Jays series is to win that series, and certainly come away from Texas falling short. But rebounding here in Miami, it's going to be a happier flight. It's going to be much more much more of a momentum flight. And this is a ball club that was reeling. The bullpen was taxed because starting pitching didn't go deep. Uh, there are certain reasons, and the little things became very ugly that weren't executed for Toronto as well. Uh, and, and those are the things that really wore on the Blue Jays. You know, seeing it day-to-day again, especially on the road, where you, you don't have a lot of time away from the ballpark with ancillary things. You, you come to the ballpark, you go to the hotel, that's basically it. So teammates are left being teammates, and they're talking baseball. They're trying to figure things out, and they're trying to execute once they get to the ballpark. Uh, but certainly 48 hours. Kikuchi heated up, getting the bullpen back on track. Gosman, he just he becomes so reliable, and you, you just take for granted what he's able to do on the mound. And the Blue Jays' success right now has to pivot around pitching. Offense certainly has some deficiencies individually. Overall production certainly left with some massive gaps. So right now, there's so much pressure on the pitching, and the first guy that goes to the hill will will dictate how the rest of the ball game goes. Yeah, Kevin Gosman, just a rock today once again for the Jays. Six solid innings, giving up just the three earned runs. I mean, how important has Gosman been to this team this year? It seems like whenever the team needs him, there he is. Well, even in the short term, certainly, but the long term, like the first three months of the regular season, he was always the guy that would fall Alec Manoa. And Manoa has had his struggles, and we know that. Uh, he's broken down on the mound. He's allowed massive runs. He's lost a lot of ball games for the Blue Jays, which first two years certainly would, would stun you if I would say that's the way, if you look at the numbers, that this season has gone for Alec. Well, the follow-up, the stopper, was always Kevin Gosman. So he's pitched under pressure literally every time since his season debut. So, again, we take it for granted just on how – steady he has been, how much of a calming factor he has been, and the position that he's put the Blue Jays in to win ballgames. Voice of the Blue Jays, Ben Wagner on the Western Pizza Hotline for a few more moments here. Bo Bichette was held out of the lineup this afternoon with some uh, thumb discomfort, and I know Blue Jay fans are wondering if there's any reason for concern long-term. I don't think so. You know, Bo, Bo felt the discomfort in his first at-bat. We have video of his, of his grimace and his wince uh, throughout that first at-bat, but he still played the rest of the ballgame. Once the body calms down, he felt that discomfort. So with the off day following plus a flight, hey, take the 24 hours with the day game. And the indication that I got being around the ball club today was if this was a night game and you could have four or five more hours of treatment, whether it's ice, whether it's other therapies, uh, there was a chance that he would have played if this was a night game. So ounce of prevention worth the pound of cure here with this baby. Yeah. So just give him the day. Let him enjoy the off day tomorrow and then see what it feels like on Friday when he gets to the ballpark. Yes, uh, off day tomorrow before the start of a nine-game homestand on Friday. The 19-win athletics will be at the Rogers Center on Friday night, so I know uh, Jays fans are hoping to get the home cooking going versus the A's before the Giants and Red Sox roll into town next week. Well, the Giants and the Red Sox are red hot right now. Yes. Not that you look past any series, but the A's certainly are a, a struggling ball club. You, you know, they... They shopped away so many of the, the stalwarts that had led to their success and postseason runs uh, before we got to 2020. And it's really a sad, sad 
state for that franchise right now. And their pitching is deficient. You know, you know, they're trying to do it with a piecemeal, piecemeal situation in Oakland. Um, but again, you, you got to roll the balls out. You got to play the game and it should be fun first and foremost this weekend, but the Blue Jays need some momentum going to the All-Star break. In this nine-game homestand, plus in the road trip through Chicago and Detroit, it could really dictate how aggressive the Blue Jays are looking at their plans post-All-Star break, thus then leading into the trade deadline. It's an important two weeks for Toronto and certainly not to be overlooked. Hey, thanks for your time today, Ben. Safe travels home. Looking forward to our chat next week. Same here, Sean. You be well. Ben Wagner, the voice of the Toronto Blue Jays on the Western Pizza Hotline. Jays win big 6-3 to this afternoon in Miami. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. Third straight game, Miami has drawn the infield in early. And Springer drops it right over the drawn-in left side. Espinal scores. Kiermaier dashing to the plate. Here's the play, and it's not in time! Uh, yes, we just heard from him. Ben Wagner calling today's Blue Jays game on Sportsnet. The Blue Jays with a big 6-3 to win. That call that you heard right there was George Springer driving in two runs, and those two runs ended up being the game winners. So, yeah. Let's give the Sports Cage Clutch Performer to George Springer today for Nick's service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent Dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. With Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk, this is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Plus 21 in Regina. We are at the corner of 12th and Rose, downtown Regina, in the Harvard Media Studios. Sean Kleisinger with Blaine Wyland. And, hey, former Regina Pat Riker Evans. He can win the Calder Cup tonight with the uh, Coachella Valley. Where are they? The Firebirds? Firebirds. Yeah, yep. Firebirds. They're taking on the Hershey Bears tonight. And the Hershey Bears, the longtime affiliate of the Washington Capitals. So that's Game 7 tonight. It's probably the first time that uh, the Calder Cup has been spoken about in <laughs> around these parts. I don't know if anyone really knows what's going on, but uh, that would be pretty cool if uh, Riker Evans can win the cup tonight, the Calder Cup. Yeah, talk about a clash of franchises. Hershey's like it, you know, one of the oldest franchises of the AHL. Coachella Valley is one of the newest, if not the newest. So it's uh, quite the uh, contrast of styles there in terms of legacies, in terms of the franchise. A new one and an old one battling it for Game 7 tonight. Yeah, that's maybe we should try to get uh, Riker Evans on the airwaves. Well, if they win, well, no, I'm just joking. I don't want to. I don't want to poke the bear if they are fresh off a Calder Cup loss. You know, I don't want to get game the guy. seven too. Eh? Yeah, so maybe if uh, Coachella wins tonight, maybe I'm going to give Riker Evans a call and be like, "Hey, what's up, man? How's it feel to be a Calder Cup champion?" Maybe that will. Uh, maybe that will come up later this week. Well, the week is getting shorter here. A couple more days until the Saskatchewan Roughriders take on the Calgary Stampeders. And Blaine, you were at practice today. Uh, uh, what can you tell us about practice today? Where were guys lining up? What did you notice? Well, um, they didn't get too many bodies back today. 
As we heard earlier on from head coach Craig Dickinson, they're optimistic they're going to get some guys back, but uh, what they were doing a lot of practicing was those uh, nationalized Americans, which means that certain players like certain players, can play up to 23 plays before uh, their Canadian replacements can go in for them. Uh, so I believe that it's a situation where they had guys like uh, C.J. Revis lining up at safety, but then Jackson Ford would come in behind him at, safe, at safety, and then uh, another situation like that was, I believe, Nick Marshall would line up a cornerback and then Nelson Lacombe would come in in his place at the defensive back. Um, and I'm thinking an offense where there was a couple of spots that went in there. Uh, like There's sometimes in there where they have to substitute in Bruno LaBelle and there's an extra offensive player. So there's a lot of the situation with that Canadian ratio, those nationalized Americans that we're still trying to figure it out a little bit. But it's like I believe up to 23 plays uh, certain American players can switch in for those Canadian replacements. And along the offensive line, Gerald Hawkins calling Kelly still anchoring yeah. the tackles. Yeah, it was the same thing for yeah. it was all practice. It was those two guys uh, lined up on the left side, or sorry, Hawkins lined up on the left side, Kelly on the right side. So it's looking more and more likely that that those two are going to be the starting tackles this weekend. And that's very exciting. We've been waiting a long time to see those guys play, especially Gerald Hawkins after the you know great training camp that he put together. Uh, I haven't mentioned this yet today, but. Uh, switching gears to hockey once again. The Hockey Hall of Fame announced uh, its Hall of Fame class yeah. of 2023 today, and it consists of Henrik Lundqvist, Tom Barrasso, Carolyn Ouellette. That's always a tough one to say because it's French. Uh, I probably said it wrong. Uh, but uh, Pierre Turgeon is the other one. Mike Vernon, your guy, Mike Vernon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ken Hitchcock and... Pierre Lacroix, I think, is the other yeah. one, right? Yep. Uh, Former did, general manager, I believe, at the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah. I yeah. Can't, I'm, I'm impressed with myself. I did all that off the top of my head. I'm usually not good at that stuff. But what do you think of what do you think of that class? Well, it's interesting because there's a lot of guys that uh, they were talking about who did not get in. Um, guy like Alex McGillney, a guy that seems like he's getting passed over year after year that maybe shouldn't. Uh, Rod Brindabore is another guy that I remember her hearing about possibly that could get in. He did not get in. Uh, Henrik Zetterberg, there was another guy who I thought might get in. He didn't get in. A lot of goalies this year. It's kind of weird that they have three goalies going on in the same class. Mm-hmm. Um, not surprised that Henrik Lundqvist is a first-time, you know, first-time ballot or ballot winner mm-hmm. that he's going right away. That doesn't surprise me whatsoever, but I'm maybe a little surprised at who didn't get in, especially McGinley and Brindamore, you know. I thought those guys would get in, but uh, they went goalie-heavy this year. I'm going to tell you what I think of it, and everyone in this class deserving, don't get me wrong, but when it comes to the National Hockey League Hall of Fame, NFL Hall of Fame, Every single year, there's just too many inductees. There's just too many inductees, like six or seven people every single year. I think Major League Baseball gets it right in Cooperstown, Cooperstown, New York. They do it right, like one, maybe two people, you know, every every year. Like, I I don't know. It's just, mm, mm, you know, give, give the inductee some glory. Let the light shine on just a couple people. When it's like, you know, a dozen people going in, like, come on, isn't that a bit watered down? It's a bit of watered down, but there's also a couple categories. Like for hockey, there's categories, eh? Because you got a couple builders in there with uh, yeah. Hitchcock and LaCroix. Uh, the women's side to it, the, you know, they add in, like, I believe a women's player. That it seems like at least one every year the last few years as well. Um, Why not do a women's category one? One year for 
something, a builder's category the next year, and then maybe the year after that, induct a couple players. Like, spread it out instead of lumping them all together. They do the same thing in the National Football League as well, like builders, you know, uh, players, coaches, whatever. But I just feel like it's just it's just too much. Uh, I don't know. But uh, I always think three is I think three is a decent number. Yeah, but three. three. How, how many do we got here? We got one, two. I have it up in front of I me. I believe six no. for NHL. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven, seven inductees in the class of 2023. But, uh, hey, big congrats to all of them. I'm not taking anything away from Mr. Ken Hitchcock, uh, Hitchcock from uh, Tom Barrasso, Henrik Lundqvist, Carolyn Ouellette, and uh, Pierre Turgeon, and uh, the other Pierre, Pierre Lacroix with the Colorado Avalanche, brought them their glory with Patrick Waugh and the fellas, uh, Peter Forsberg, Adam Foote. I love rattling off that roster that the Colorado Avalanche had. Greg DeVries, man. <laughs> you know, uh, Milan Hayduke. Uh, what's another one? The other one's Wolte- on the top. Wolski. How about that one? Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, the other Adam one's Adam Deadmarsh. Uh, yes. The other one, I can't. What is it? Uh, Alex Tangye. Alex Tangay. Yeah, he he was on the team. Oh yeah, as well. he was a big, long time big, flame. Yep, big big uh, contributor to the Colorado Avalanche as well. Well, we were going to hit the break, have a CFL report for you on the other side, and we were talking about Coach Dickinson and his comments after practice today. If you missed it in hour one, going to replay that for you coming up here in a few minutes, and also one on one. Blaine Wyland went with Jackson Ford today as Jackson Ford is looking like he's going to be getting a whole lot of playing time coming up here Saturday at McMahon Stadium. Very exciting. And Colin Kelly looks like he will be starting at right tackle versus the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday as well. We will hear from him on the other side of the break. You are listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKL Ram. And your sports ticker here at 433 is brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. Just give them a call at 781-2090. The Toronto Blue Jays, they've already played today, and they won 6-3 to the final score over the Miami Marlins today. So the Jays have an off day tomorrow, and will start up a nine-game homestand on Friday night at the Rogers Center when the 19-win Oakland Athletics, just soak, let that soak in. 19 wins. Uh, the Oakland Athletics at the Rogers Center to start up a three-game weekend series coming up on Friday. The Regina Red Sox, they lost in Weyburn yesterday, 8-1 to the final score. They have a off day today because, well, they're heading out to Alberta for a four-game Alberta road swing. It starts up tomorrow in Lethbridge and then once again on Friday. And then the Red Sox will wrap up the Alberta road trip with a a date in Okotoks on Saturday and Sunday to take on that powerhouse uh, Okotoks Dogs team. Very good team they are every single year. Let's see if the Red Sox can knock them off this time around. The Sports Cage is your voice for football. Not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. And Wednesday CFL Report is brought to you by Kevin's Marine. Make the most of summer with a boater pontoon from Kevin's Marine in Fort Coppell. Kevin'sMarine.com. The BC Lions will get star receiver Lucky Whitehead back from injury when they take on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on Thursday. Though Dominic Rhymes 
will miss the game due to a foot injury. Thursday's game between the CFL's only two and old teams is slated for a 6.30 p.m. kickoff at IG Field in Winnipeg. That's 6.30 p.m. Saskatchewan time. And uh, we love our uniforms, the Montreal Alouettes. They were teasing a new alternate uniform today. I saw they released a video. The social media post made reference to 1946 when the club wore red uniforms with white numbers and white stripes. And based on the, you know, the brief snapshots featured in the video, it appears the new unis will feature red uniforms and pants with white numbers and blue stripes. And the club's blue helmets appear to have been left unchanged. And the rumor is that they will wear these new unis in week four when the Owls host the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Montreal, they visit Hamilton this week on Friday Night Football. It's time to step into the Radio Octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. And Saskatoon, they have a Western Canadian Baseball League team that's in the making right now. And uh, right now they're labeled as the Saskatoon Baseball Club. And uh, they sent out a tweet today that says, Saskatoon, we need your help. Help us. We're bringing baseball to the city of Bridges, the tweet says, and uh, we are are excited to uh, come up with a team name. That's why we need you. So uh, you can submit your name idea, and you could win uh, season tickets for life. Can you imagine that? Season tickets for life, whoever is the winner for this name change. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk, of course, around Regina in recent years about a new ballpark. But uh, Saskatoon's another one that I think Karen's Field yeah. is where they play in Saskatoon. Yeah, in the old Gordie Howe complex. Yeah, yep. the the old Gordie Howe complex. So uh, uh, that is um, just got a note back, by the way, from uh, we were supposed to have Noah Zur in this time slot today. Uh, he was unable to do it today, but uh, hopefully later on this week. We will be able to do it. So I just, uh, this is live radio, live time. That's the live <laughs> update on Noah Zur. But yeah, about the Saskatoon baseball team, I don't know. What would you call them? Saskatoon. Uh, I like their old names. They had some good names back in the day. Yellow Jackets was one, wasn't there? Yeah, that before that. Wasn't it? Yeah, that was the, the more recent one. Before that, they had the Saskatoon Smoking Guns. And they also Ooh. had the Saskatoon Riot, I remember, back in the day. Were yeah, kind of the two big ones. Can't do, can't do Riot. There's already a Riot team in yeah, Saskatchewan. Yeah, no, I don't think Riot so much. Yeah, no, no more. No I more. like the smoking guns. But. Yeah, how about the Saskatoon Dill Pickle Seeds? <laughs> how about that? It seems like that's like a minor league baseball team name. You know, like these. some of these. Maybe they should incorporate something with the Robin Hood Flower Mill. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. How about the Saskatoon <laughs> Robins? Saskatoon Robins, yeah. Yeah, you know, Saskatoon Robins. How about that? Or maybe like uh, the Saskatoon Berry Bridges. Yeah. <laughs> the, Ro- the Robins, they could be like brown and orange. Yeah. Something like that, like, like Cleveland like, brown colors, except baseball style. I was going to say Orioles style colors. You know, I'm but- going gonna, to, we're going to hear from head coach Craig Dickinson here. If you missed it in hour one, we're going to play it for you in a couple seconds and while we are playing it I am literally going to be submitting the Saskatoon Robins uh, into the Saskato- uh, Saskatoon Baseball Club let's hear from Dickie yeah wait for the report uh, but the good news is we made it through practice with everybody um, finishing so uh, we're a little beat up there's no doubt but I think 
think we're going to be all right. We'll see how it goes. You mentioned you were hopeful yesterday, though, that some guys will be returning by the end of the week. Do you still feel yeah, that way? Yeah, I'm still hopeful. Had a few guys limited practice today, which was good. Hopefully, we can get them doing a little bit more tomorrow. You have concerns about the current Canadian depth. You guys signed two more Canadian defenders. Kind of looks like you might do the nationalized American. Sure. Yeah, I don't think concerns the right word, Britain. But you always have to work on improving your roster, and 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 Canadian depth is always an issue, and always something each team has challenges trying to trying to address. So we we want to make sure we've got good Canadians. I feel like we have good Canadians here. Those players you're optimistic about are they Dulkey, Milligan and Lanier? Those yep. the guys? Yeah, Dulkey, Milligan, Lanier, Corte Moore, Awachi, a lot of them. Okay. Kendall Watson, what what are your plans for him this week? Well, we got to just decide how we're going to dress. Right now we're not sure, but Kendall's been a guy that has really uh, improved each and every day, Rob and He's a guy that I think by the end of the year will play. I don't know if he'll play just yet, but by the end of the year, I see him playing. How about Moncrief uh, trending? Is more progress? Moncrief trending up. He got through today fine. We'll see how he feels when he goes in, but we're hopeful that he can play. What would he bring you? Experience, you know, and physicality as long as he's feeling good, you know. He's a good football player. He was a priority signing for us a couple years ago, and we're hopeful to get him back 100% soon. I'm doing a piece on A.J. Allen. What is your, uh, what does he bring to you? Well, he's a second-year guy, and so you're seeing that jump in production. A.J.'s really athletic. A.J.'s very versatile. You know, he can play defensive line and or linebacker, so we feel like he's got some versatility for us, and he, he seems to really gel well with the room. So he's been a, he's been a good addition and, a, and a, you know, a key guy this, this year so far. I think we coined this as the Dickinson Bowl uh, oh, yeah. years ago. Does it have any significance as the years go on? No, it really doesn't. I mean, it's you know, it, we play each other so much over the years that it does. It it has significance for our team, and it has significance for Calgary's team. We're both one and one, and I think they're into a bye as as we are. So it's a lot nicer to be going into a bye two and one than one and two. So it's a big game. There's no side brotherly bets on who's going to buy no, next time. No, yeah, it's me all the time. I buy. <laughs> I'm the older brother, so I end up buying all the time anyways. Your parents are at the game this weekend, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they're going to be in town. I don't know if they'll be at the game, Rob, but they'll be in in Calgary for it for sure. What have you uh, What have you seen from Calgary? Both these teams kind of major changes in the off season. Yeah, I see both teams still trying to kind of get their footing. I, it's hard to tell early in the season what a team's going to be like, but I see a Calgary team that's got. Good experience in key positions. I think they're still trying to find the right mix and match of dudes. Uh, but it's a good team, well coached, always well prepared. It'll be a tough challenge. Harris mentioned yesterday that they really want to get this win for Sean Bean. Is that kind of the best? Yeah, whatever you know, whatever works for them, I'm good with. We we need this win for our team. Um, you know, it's still early in the season, so you don't you don't panic either way. But it would be a nice way to go into the into the break with a win. What facet from the Winnipeg game do you want to see the most improvement from your team this week? I'd like to see us be able to run the ball better, you know, and there's a lot, a lot of reasons why it didn't happen, but that would be an area I'd like to see us do better. Well, Calgary as a team, uh, you know, coming off week two, facing one of, if not the best offense in the league in Winnipeg, what does Calgary in particular uh, uh, give you on, on the offense? Well, they're going to give you a lot of different looks. I mean, they're well coached they've got a lot of a lot of brain power on that offense and i think jake mayer is a good quarterback i mean they moved on from bo for a reason because they felt like he was the guy so um 
you're going to see a lot of a lot of underneath stuff. You're going to see a lot of formational stuff, and I think we've got to do a good job of identifying what they're doing, communicating on the, on the defensive side, and then playing fast and being physical. In terms of the ratio and whatnot, expect to get uh, Mitch Pickton some runs. Yeah, we expect to go. Um, we haven't decided yet, but we got two good Canadian receivers, and we'll see how it goes. That's Riders head coach Craig Dickinson after practice today, and also after practice, our own Blaine Wyland caught up with Jackson Ford, who, well, it's looking like he's going to be getting a lot of playing time this week in Calgary. Here's Blaine with Jackson Ford after practice. All right, I'm joined with Jackson Ford. And Jackson, I guess we're on the eve of your third game. Maybe just go back to your first game, uh, the first game in Edmonton. Was there anything on, that day, on Sunday that really sticks out, whether it was before the game, during the game, or even after the game? Yeah, you know, it was just good to get my feet wet out there, you know, first game, uh, you know, get the, the shakes out of the way and uh, looking forward to, you know, the next home, the home game, which went well, uh, played played good, lots to work on, and uh, yeah, looking forward to the third game here. Okay, so going back to the second game, of course, the, the first one here in Regina, I'm sure that's something you've been looking forward towards all your life. Was it, you know, the moment when you walked out, did it kind of live up to the hype that you had? 100%. Everything that I expected, you know, coming out to bring them out, the fire, flames, stuff like that, it was pretty sweet moment did it help the fact that you played here you know collegiately with the rams you know that it kind of helped brace yourself for that moment yeah i would think so you know selling 50 50s last year coming to all the games kind of visualizing seeing myself out there on the field uh yeah definitely how much of that visualization vis- visualization change over the years you know growing up here in regina did it become more and more real more evident uh, as you got older yeah i think more real for sure you know like uh, going out through my collegiate years you know playing well getting better every single year uh, yeah, I definitely thought that the dream was definitely there for sure. Just want to get your thoughts about early on about your play on special teams. How do you think you're doing on special teams so far through the first two games? Uh, it was okay. First game, first game was good. A couple tackles. Uh, second game, lots to work on, leverage, stuff like that. You know, so uh, yeah, just taking it day by day, stacking days, and uh, doing uh, doing my job out there. I want to get your observations. I guess uh, Jaden Dalkin guy. I'm sure you've been watching over these first two games. Wanted to get your op- your thoughts about Dalkin's play for the first two games. Oh, he's an excellent player. I think a great leader too off the field. Absolutely. Um, don't throw in the middle when that guy's on. Look out. <laughs> um, what are the things that you're kind of already looking towards improving on your own game? What are the things that you're looking to improve on? Uh, I think you know, like the game's a lot faster here, so my football IQ needs to be a little bit better. Um, you know, like on that punt return last game, right? Like I had an opportunity to make the play, didn't make the play, right? So uh, just uh, keep on learning every single day, every practice, and uh, watching lots more film, and uh, just getting better as a player for sure. What's it like kind of today in practice when you look around the Canadian, especially as a Canadian with the Canadian content that's been out this the last couple of days in practice? Uh, just your thoughts about uh, what what looks like it's going to be a little balanced in terms of the ratio on Saturday. Yeah, you know, like a couple guys went down here and there, but that uh, doesn't change our mindset at all. You know, we're still putting our best foot forward and, uh, and looking out to come out with win. With win. And in terms of defense, you know, playing safety, do you, are you anticipating maybe getting some more looks back there depending on, you know, Dulkey stats for Saturday? Yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not too sure. I'm just, uh, you know, taking it day by day, uh, putting my foot forward and uh, doing the best I can out there. We talked about earlier about, you know, playing uh, Mosaic Stadium here as a Ram. You, you think you get that same comfortability, comfortable, uh, you know, being comfortable playing in uh, McMahon Stadium? At, uh, Calgary, Calgary gets the old Dinos. Yeah, you know, last time I was there, I think we pumped the Dinos by 30. So uh, I'll feel pretty comfortable there. Um, and just throughout the season, what are the things you're looking to, we talked about improving right now, but maybe throughout the throughout the entire season, what are the things that you're looking to improve on? Yeah, like I said, you know, the game's faster, everyone's bigger, right? Just understanding leverage, uh, upgrading my football IQ, and just kind of being the best player that I can by, you know, asking questions, learning from the vets, stuff like that. 
And in terms of comfort level, do you feel like the comfort level is kind of getting there for yourself? Yeah, I'm definitely a lot more comfortable going into week three for sure than I was week one. All right, thanks a lot, Jackson. Right on. Sweet. That's Blaine Weiland with Jackson Ford after practice today. And another guy that is more than likely going to be seeing some playing time on Saturday is right tackle Colin Kelly. Here's Colin Kelly after practice. Yeah, I had my little hiatus. I'm pretty excited to get out there. Uh, I haven't had too long of a break from the season prior, but, you know, looking forward to it. What do you feel like you learned from your time in the XFL? Uh, you know, I guess like every coach and every team and every scheme kind of has their own little different things that can bring to the table. So I had a pretty good O-line coach down there, uh, Dennis McKnight, and he just kind of more of a little tackle emphasis. So he just caught me a couple of technique things down there. What do you feel like you bring to this O-line? I guess a little bit of time. I'm getting up there. I guess they say it's my golden years, but... We'll find out on Saturday, but um, I, I guess just a little bit of veteran style, a little bit of experience. What's it been like these last two weeks since going to the Rough Riders? Uh, it's crazy, you know, compared to, uh, you know, Hamilton or Edmonton. Those are kind of pretty big football towns, more so Edmonton, or I mean Hamilton. Here, you know, it doesn't matter where you go, you always see the green stuff. It's even funny, on TV, you know, you always see commercials about the Rough Riders, which is crazy because... Not every, I guess, city does that. So what's it like having the media bother you so much then? <laughs> yeah, normally it's all the Canadians that get all the action, all the inside three guys. This is weird for me getting the tackles. The Americans are getting it, so. Maybe that just shows you the excitement people are. <laughs> I love to have you on this Yeah, I'm not bringing it up, you know, whatever. I mean, I'm sure everybody points fingers as of last year. I'm just trying to make sure that we approve and win. That's the only main reason out there is to try to win a game. What made you want to come back to the CFL? Uh, I don't know. That's tough. But I would say, if anything, uh, you know, this was definitely my first choice here in Saskatchewan. There's a couple other teams. And, you know, this is a very historic football club. I mean, just and any football, really. I think it's one of the oldest football teams out there. So to come here and, you know, you got a real pro establishment facility wise so do you still get nervous these years later or not at all hell yeah i get i get nervous like i mean to be honest like you're living you know i get nervous maybe like 30 or 45 seconds before that first snap that just knows you're alive what sorry what was that just your thoughts about the re- your teammates here, the rest of the old linemen here inside the locker room here. Yeah, I guess I've been here for maybe a cup of coffee, but I it's a small league. I know a couple of the guys, or you know, some guy kind of knows this guy, so you hear a little bit about him. But our camaraderie as an O line is definitely growing, including I've only been here ten days, so <laughs> so it's nice. It's a good group of guys. This sounds like a funny individual right there, Colin Kelly. Uh, six foot five, about 300 pounds. He went to Oregon State, the Oregon State Beavers. And uh, he's 33 years young right now. So he's on the back end of his career, no doubt. But uh, hopefully he has at least one or two good seasons left with him. Well, I'll just say at least this season left in him. I don't want to get too ahead of myself here. But uh, it's good to good to hear that. You know, if there was one place that he wanted to come to in the Canadian Football League, it was right here, baby, in Regina, Saskatchewan, with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Because, yes, we do have the best facilities, and we do have the best stadium in the Canadian Football League, bar none. 
hopefully a couple people in Winnipeg are listening. We're going to hit the break, and then we're going to have your 5 o'clock news in a few minutes. And then on the other side of that, Dave Poulin from the, uh, well, for TSN, TSN hockey analyst and former Philadelphia Flyer will be joining us to talk NHL draft, to talk about the Flyers' new unis. And then where are they now at 535 with David Benefield, former Saskatchewan Rough Rider. That's all coming up. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome inside the house, Sports Cage House, corner of 12th and Rose, downtown Regina. It's plus 21, sunny outside, feeling really good. You know, I feel like dropping back and passing right now like Trevor Harris. I'm feeling it. Want to play some football. And hey, if you want to go to the next Ryder home game, this is your moment to shine, baby. This is your moment. Sastel picked the score. Is on the air right now. This is uh, This is going to happen. Caller number seven, because caller number seven is not only the number of Trevor Harris, your starting quarterback for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but number seven is also what David Benefield wore. And David Benefield is going to be joining us in hour three because he is uh, the feature on this week's Where Are They Now? So caller number seven. Call us up, 1-866-767-0620. That's the toll-free number locally in town, 306-936-6262. If you're calling number 7, you automatically win tickets to the next home game, which is July 6th, versus those Edmonton Elks. And... uh if your score prediction is the closest to the actual score of Saturday's game, you will win a $200 Sastel gift card, and don't stop there. And you will be entered in to win a sweet experience next season at Mosaic Stadium. That's right. So call us up. One more time, the phone numbers, toll-free, 1-866-767-0620. Or 306-936-6262, caller number 7, takes home the cake. And in this case, the cake, I mean the tickets. Heading to break on the other side, Dave Poole and David Benefield. You're listening to the Sports Cage on this Wednesday on 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Sean Kleisinger. Here we go, Hour 3 on the air on this Wednesday, plus 21 in Regina. And it is indeed National Indigenous Peoples Day today. We uh, recognize and celebrate the history, heritage, resilience, diversity of First Nations, Inuit, and Métis across Canada so uh, keeping that in our hearts here on this Wednesday and, well, every single day, to be honest with you. It's uh, hour three, and we've had a great show thus far. I mean, taking a look at it, we had Toronto Argonauts quarterback Chad Kelly. I almost said Jim Kelly there. <laughs> it's not Jim. It's Chad. I thought you were going to say Colin. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what I tried to say. See, I can't even remember what I did three seconds ago. That's not a good sign. No. We had uh, Chad Kelly uh, join us. And uh, Chad Kelly, he's uh, feeling pretty good right now. His Argonauts are 1-0. If you missed that conversation or any of the others, you can find them on demand. Because we heard from the Blue Jays' voice, uh, Ben Wagner as well, to kick off the 
uh, second hour of today's show. Ben Wagner, fresh off of calling a 6-3 to Toronto Blue Jays win over the Miami Marlins today. Take that, Miami. Take that. Well, I guess Miami still has a better record than Toronto, so... Uh, Where's my corner to hide in? But uh, it was fun to talk with Ben Wagner. And this is going to be a fun hour coming up here because on the other side uh, of this segment, Dave Poulin, TSN hockey analyst, is uh, waiting in the wings here. And I can't wait to ask him. (laughs) I'm going to ask him this, uh, uh, Blaine. I'm going to ask him. So do you think the Chicago Blackhawks, you know, Will tr- is there any chance that they'll trade the first overall pick? And I just hope, fingers crossed, that Dave Poulin does not hang up the phone when I ask that because, you know, there needs to be some comic relief once in a while, you know? It can't just be all business, my friend. That's what I love about, uh, uh, you know, a good Brad Pitt movie or like a Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Lot serious storylines, but at the same time, you know, there's some there's some comic relief. And that's what I like to bring on the sports cage. So <laughs> we shall see. In a roundabout way, what I'm getting at is can't wait to talk with Dave Poulin on the other side of the break. And at five thirty five, David Benefield. When was the last time Radder Nation has heard from David Benefield? I can't even remember. David Benefield, he played with your Saskatchewan Rough Riders for two seasons. 2004, 2005 were the two seasons. He played on your NFL team, Blaine Wyland, the San Francisco 49ers. And, uh, well, he came into the league with the Ottawa Rough Riders at the beginning of the 90s and then moved on to the BC Lions before he went to the NFL. Then when he came back to the Canadian Football League, he uh, had a nice long stint with the BC Lions, followed by the Winnipeg Blow Bombers, and... uh, Followed, and then he came to Saskatchewan, finished off his career with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So we will chat with David Benefield here uh, this hour. Haven't touched on this yet, but the CFL has fined two players following uh, week two of the regular season. Remember that uh, stinky Adam Big Hill? Well, uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers linebacker Adam Big Hill was fined for a high hit on Saskatchewan Rough Riders quarterback Shea Patterson. Big Hill recorded five tackles in uh, his team's 45-27 to victory, of course, over the Riders on Friday night. So uh, Adam Big Hill gets dinged with a little bit of a fine. And Ottawa Red Blacks linebacker Gary Johnson Jr. was fined for punching Calgary Stampeders linebacker Charlie Moore. So you don't want to be punching people. You know, this ain't ice hockey. (laughs) You know what I mean? But uh, Johnson recorded two special teams tackles uh, in his team's 26-15 26-15 to 15 loss to the Calgary Stampeders. And by the way, uh, I, we were talking about this earlier in the show, the, the ratings, the TV ratings. That Calgary and Ottawa game did not do very good on Thursday night. Uh, 273,000 uh, average uh, viewers. But uh, still, that's 273,000 viewers. I'm just thinking back at some of the XFL, USFL ratings. Some of those were like, you know. So people want to harp on, oh, that's not good, you know, 273. Just relax. That's still a lot more than any other program that's on the TV, okay? And and that was the lowest of the week. Winnipeg at Saskatchewan on Friday, by far the highest of the week. Nearly 700,000 average viewers for that game. 
by no surprise. I mean, it just goes to show you the hot market in the Canadian Football League is right here on the prairies. And when I say prairies, I mean Saskatchewan. No, I'm just kidding. You got to give Manitoba their love as well. I mean, great market in this league. So nearly 700,000 viewers for that game. Saturday, Edmonton at BC, 530,000 average viewers. So that's a nice chunk there. And then Sunday's Hamilton at Toronto, uh, 264,000 average viewers. So that one was actually lower than the Calgary at Ottawa. But when it's all said and done, the average week two attendance, or sorry, uh, viewership, 440,000. So that is a very good number right there. Things looking very good. Uh, so Blaine Wyland, the big news out of Ryderville today, well, I don't want to say there was too much news when it came to practice. There were a couple signings, though, as the Saskatchewan Roughriders signed national linebacker Brian Haralamana and national defensive back Kosi Onyeka. Uh, Haralamana, remember, he was with the Montreal Alouettes. He was drafted to the Owls back in 2020. He was a fourth-round pick to the Owls then. And uh, Onyeka... If Ryder fans are thinking, Kosi Onyeka, wasn't he here like a day ago? Well, not quite a day ago, but he was with us or with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders during training camp this year. So Kosi Onyeka back with the team. So in the light of all these injuries that we've been kind of talking about uh, the past couple days here, the Riders kind of reinforcing uh, some players into the lineup and uh, the injury report kind of the same as yesterday. Uh, really, the only difference was that uh, uh, maybe Miles Brown, he was not practicing yesterday. Today, he was a full participant. Uh, Jane Dalkey still out. Roland Milligan, Rodney Clemens, Juwan Breskison, Anthony Lanier II, Frankie Hickson, Albert Awachi did not practice. Nick Daly did not practice. Late Corte Moore. I think this might have been a change from yesterday. He was limited today. I don't think he practiced yeah, that, yesterday. Yeah, that was the one change I think was late Corte Moore was limited today as opposed to yesterday he was out. So yeah. he was the one player who got back in today. So that, that so that's good news for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Nick Marshall, Derek Moncrief, full participation. So that's going to be exciting. Uh, Derek Moncrief, the Kreef. Looks like he's going to be playing on Saturday. Don't know if he's going to start. I know uh, head coach Craig Dickinson said yesterday he wasn't quite sure if Moncrief would get the start on Saturday. He's basically going to give Kreef the whole week and then determine you know, on game day if he's uh, capable of going in there and starting from snap number one. But uh, regardless, I suspect that Derek, uh, Derek Moncrief will be... I've seen a whole lot of snaps here on Saturday at McMahon Stadium. We're going to hit the break because we have Dave Poulin waiting on hold, and he is coming up next. You are listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. He played 13 seasons in the National Hockey League with the Philadelphia Flyers, Boston Bruins, and the Washington Capitals. Former NHL executive and current TSN hockey analyst Dave Poulin on the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, thanks for taking a few minutes today, Dave. And uh, hey, we are one week away from the NHL draft in Nashville at uh, Bridgestone Arena. What are your plans for draft day? Will you be in Nashville? I will not be in Nashville, Sean. So I think uh, Ryan Rashad will be there. Darren Drager will be there. And so I'm more or less covering. I don't do the amateur side of it as much. Craig mm-hmm. Martin handles that for us. 
So I'm more trade related and, you know, I'll be working out of Toronto and anything that's, you know, that deals with a trade of a current player, yeah. I'll be called into. So, and I'm expecting that to be a busy time. You know, the combination of the key asset here is, is having communication between your pro and amateur scouts because there's going to be multi-layered deals that involve draft picks but involve current players. And it's really important to get that coordination of those two parts together, Sean. So, um, you know, and no different from the coordination of our crew. <laughs> we have yeah. pro guys and amateur guys, so we, we meld the two together. There's no chance that the Chicago Blackhawks trade the first overall pick, right? Zero. Yes. Zero, okay. and that might be high. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is, it, you know, I, I think a player like Connor Bedard, pretty well documented. And I got concerned about the generational term, mm-hmm. and it seemed to me like it was happening too often. And I said, we can't have a generational player every year because that's actually an annual player. That's not a generational player. And and I think that from an earned standpoint, he has more than earned the generational term. And it's not something I throw about lightly at all. It's not something our guys throw about lightly because it's a huge responsibility. And in every respect, Connor Bedard has earned it, will handle it, and will be a Chicago Blackhawk. Uh, looking at the first five picks in the draft, teams moving back, maybe uh, picking up some compensation on the back end of the first round. What are you looking at as far as like maybe like the Montreal Canadiens in that area? I can actually, and and I I would start at number two with Anaheim, simply because we don't have a feel for Pat Verbeek as a manager. Mm. We just don't know, um, you know, and and. Kyle Davidson in Chicago is locked in at one. But at number two, you know, what is – Pat Verbeek has never spoken, you know, maybe following the quiet Stevie Eiserman mold, has never spoken out about what his plans are. And so we're assuming he's going to pick number two. We're assuming he's going to pick Dan Santilli. But we don't know that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just – we just don't know. And at number three, Columbus, Yarmo Kekalainen has shown more than a, an ability – to wheel and deal. So I, the entire top five could be active. What if something were to come light with a, a mega Eric Carlson deal at number four that involves San Jose and how that may play in it? And, and maybe, as you alluded to, maybe the most willing partner is Montreal, who has a stockpile of both draft picks and young prospects. They've got some talented kids in the pipeline. And, you know, there were a lot of nights last year when they played five rookie defensemen. And they have a couple more coming. And so there seemed to be enough in that mix. There seems to be enough intrigue and and maybe enough question about, you know, how deep this draft actually goes, where Matt by Mitch Matt Bay Mitchkoff actually fits in, that to be determined. And what if someone likes someone between 5 and 10? If a Kent Hughes likes, you know, I mean, maybe he has his eyes on a Will Smith who he actually coached as a kid growing up in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. But Will Smith has a couple of pretty talented line mates in Gabe Perot and, and, uh, and Ryan uh, Blank on his line. You know, so there's some talented kids in that grouping, and what if he says, okay, well, you know, I'm willing to slide down a couple spots. So I think there's enough intrigue in that top five to think something might happen. 
And what's that uh, process like for yourself on draft day when all this is going on? Like, take me into the mind of Dave Poulin. It must be a very uh, busy, uh, busy, stressful time, though. Well, it is. I, I'm setting everything up for free agency day. And as I'm setting it up, you know, I, I, I'm prepping just like they prep for my own, you know, role in the show. And I have a book that I do three times a year that essentially combines six or seven different internet sites into one two-page fold-out. So I can look at, you know, the Calgary Flames, the Winnipeg Jets, and see their top prospects. I can see all the, dra- all the contract status. Um, I can see their most recent draft and, and where it lies moving forward for the next year. So, you know, I'm doing my prep on the draft, uh, on free agency rather, but, you know, taking into account what the draft is going to add to each respective team. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a homework time for everybody. It feels like you're, you're cramming for final exams. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it's pretty, there's a couple of different classes. And by the way, one of them is math, Sean, and you better have a good feel for the salary cap. Yeah, no, that's very interesting. TSN hockey analyst uh, Dave Poulin with us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. And, well, whoever gets drafted to the Flyers will be handed one of those new fresh jerseys that the team just unveiled yesterday. Uh, I love the look personally and the style. Uh, the style and striping is very similar to what you wore when you were a player, when uh, you were the captain for the Philadelphia Flyers. So what do you think of uh, the new threads? We all an entire new management group there, and Keith Jones and Daniel Briere, and it's about for me, you know, as an alum, it's about embracing and welcoming the past, but still moving forward into the future. Like you can't live in the past, you can't live with the mid mm-hmm. '70s Cup teams, but you can embrace that tradition, embrace that history, and move forward. And we went through this in '83, '84, and when we were coming out of the Cooperalls, actually. Yeah. And then it was a question of what the pants were going to look like, what the socks were going to look like, what the jerseys were going to look like. Quite comical fashion shows in 120-degree weather uh, when we were sporting all of this different gear. And, you know, but I think it's, it's about affecting visual change to go with what they hope is on the ice change. And, and, it, and I think it's a good move, you know, once again, you know, I respect so much about what the Flyers have done in the past, and as much as we talked about Vegas in their sixth year, the Flyers won in their seventh and eighth years won Stanley Cups. And so they set a pretty high precedent for an expansion franchise, and, you know, and you embrace that, but you move forward. Yeah, I, I love how a lot of teams across the NHL are kind of going back to their roots when it comes to uniforms, like the Flames and Oilers come to mind right away. The Islanders are looking uh, fresh. Do you have any of your jerseys hanging on the wall at home? What's the man cave looking like, Dave Poulin? I do, I do. It's in the gym, and I have six jerseys hanging. I have Philadelphia, I have Boston, and I have Washington, the three teams I played for, and then I have my two all-star jerseys and my rendezvous jersey and so it's a pretty cool you know it's pretty proud for me and it reminds me that i still have to work out sean um <laughs> so i still have to go down and remember that at one point in my life i was in shape 
and I was an athlete, and that I should still visit the gym on a on a timely uh, occasion. So uh, it's a good memory for me. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's why you put them in the in your gym there to kind of remind you, hey, I want to you know keep in shape here. That's a that's pretty funny, uh, Dave. Thanks for taking a few minutes today and uh, talking with us ahead of the draft next week and about those uh, new uniforms. And uh, hope to hear from you soon, my friend. Thanks, Sean. Good luck with everything. Awesome. TSN hockey analyst Dave Poulin on the Western Pizza Hotline. One week from tonight, the NHL draft. Connor Bedard officially will be a Chicago Blackhawk. And you heard it right there. Zero chance. Zero chance. Chicago trades that pick. That's no surprise, though. Back in a moment, you're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And we are back with your sports ticker for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors, they're garage door specialists. The Toronto Blue Jays took down the Miami Marlins today, 6-3 to the final score. So the Blue Jays won the series versus the Marlins, and they end the road trip with a 4-5 and record after it was looking like maybe it was going to be like 2-7, and 3-6. and So the Blue Jays really uh, got back in the, into the swing of things. Back-to-back wins over the Miami Marlins. Now the Jays head back home. They have an off day tomorrow. And they start up a three-game weekend set versus the Oakland Athletics coming up uh, on Friday. And then after that, things get tough again because the San Francisco Giants come into town at the Rogers Center, followed by the Boston Red Sox, those hated Boston Red Sox, going into the Rogers Center on Canada Day weekend. Let's round the bases. Time for today's Sports Cage Regina Red Sox Report on the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. And the Red Sox Report is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Head to the CBH for a full list of menu items, great beverages, you name it, and maybe uh, take in a couple CFL games at the CBH uh, this weekend. The Regina Red Sox lost to the Weyburn Beavers last night at Tom Lang Park in Weyburn. 8-1 to was the final score. The Sox have an off day today, and they will start up a four-game weekend road trip tomorrow in Lethbridge. So tomorrow in Lethbridge, Friday in Lethbridge, Bridge, and followed by back-to-back games in Okotoks on Saturday and Sunday. They're the names we speak with reverence or scream out loud. The names that help define us, inspire us, and build the game that we all love. Each Wednesday on the Sports Cage, we flash to the past with a legend to see if there is indeed life beyond the scoreboard. This is Where Are They Now? And we're back inside the sports cage for Where Are They Now for Floor Coverings International. Need new floors? Let Floor Coverings International bring their mobile showroom to you. Visit their website for your free consultation. And this week we are joined by a former CFL All-Star from 1999 and 2003. And he wore number 7 for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in 2004 and 2005. David Benefield is with us today. How are you doing, my friend? Thanks for coming on today. Man, I'm good. I'm good. It's sunny. It's uh, summer is officially here in Southern Cal, so all is good. 
Yeah, man. So uh, every Wednesday inside the sports cage, we like to catch up with either a former player or coach to see what uh, life is bringing them after uh, the football book is closed. And by the sounds of it, life is bringing you a whole lot of sunshine. What are you up to these days? So I'm in Southern Cal. Uh, My son has had a great football season. He was like MVP and had a bunch of MVP awards and stuff like that. And he's gone to Boise State to play for the Broncos this year on a full ride. My daughter's playing volleyball, and she's playing volleyball, and she's been she's on the recruiting trail. Also, we're not sure where she's going to wind up yet, or where she's leaning. But we have our we have some thoughts. That's really exciting. Uh, what position does your son play? He's uh, he started out as a quarterback, came down to the Trinity League. Uh, late during the COVID, uh, all the COVID stuff, and he sort of just wanted just to get on the field, and he's now, he's a safety. He's playing safety. This uh, upcoming season will be his freshman season at uh, Boise State? Sure will. Oh, man, how exciting is that? I I bet you're just chomping at the bit to, you know, go to, to Boise State and watch those Broncos on that blue field. Well, I mean, it, it's going to be, you know, it's it's... It's, you know, every freshman has that day of reckoning when you get around grown men and uh, mm-hmm. and you find out, you know, where are you going to stand out? You know, how are you going to stand out? So he's going to be dealing with that. The competition is deep. It's really deep. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's going to be wild to see what happens. Nice. Yeah. So you attended Cal State Northridge. And after your college career, uh, how did you end up here in Canada? What was uh, that process like for yourself? I went uh, a lot. A lot of those free agent camps where mm-hmm. like two thousand guys show up, uh, fighting for looks. Uh, a lot of high school fields down in, in the U.S. You know, where you just show up, like fifty guys show up, and yeah. you're working out for scouts you've never heard of. Uh, yeah, it's you know, very rough. Very rough. You just drive up, show up, and. You're out there working out with guys that you know you've watched play, you've heard of NF, former NFL guys, and you're just out there giving your best, right? Yeah, and uh, you were alongside uh, Dave Ritchie in Ottawa, who was your defensive coordinator at the beginning of your professional playing career. Then in the mid-'90s, you signed as a free agent in BC when Dave Ritchie became the head coach for the Leos. Uh, what was your relationship like with Dave Ritchie during your playing career? Well, I wrote a letter to Ron Smelter, who was at Ottawa, just asking for a tryout, a, a handwritten letter, and he and they invited me in. And uh, that was after the failed pro, pro Spring League folded. And uh, next thing I know, I'm in Ottawa, and all I knew is just run to the ball, everything will be okay, as my, my coach Banker, uh, Mark Banker, would say in college, just run to the ball, good things happen. So I just spent my whole, like, camp just running no matter what <laughs> happened i was just running and and we got to be really i enjoyed dave a lot he was he was a gruff guy but i told him i said dude you can't hit me my dad scares me because he can hit me but you can't so <laughs> i'll we'll be okay i don't care if you yell at me so it sounds like you guys had a pretty good relationship is that did that go into your decision on uh signing with the lions the first time oh yeah Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I loved Ottawa. Don't get me wrong, but 
it was looking kind of shaky and kind of dodgy. I think we were waiting to cash. Like, if Remy Trudell and I wouldn't have cashed our playoff check that, uh, like, immediately after the game we got back, I think uh, we would have been waiting for, like, months. Uh, so Dave, with Dave going to with Dave going to BC, he was just like, you know, do you want to come out? And I was like, yeah, but I was like, definitely, you know. And then, yeah, it was just it was great. It was just a great time. And then uh, after your first stint with the BC Lions, you signed with the San Francisco Forty ers in 1996. What was that like uh, being in the same dressing room as like Jerry Rice, Steve Young? I think uh, Terrell Owens was a rookie that year as well. Uh, do you do you have any cool stories to tell about an interaction you had with one of those guys when you're with the Forty ers Well, that was funny because Jerry Rice was actually there doing my workout, and I think the coaches thought like because I was coming from Canada and I didn't wear a long sleeve or a hoodie for the workout. It was like maybe 65, but my blood had thickened after being in Canada for a while. So, you know, so I had a great workout in the cold, supposedly cold, and Jerry was there. (laughs) Jerry was, of course, working out in cheers. So I go to take a shower, and there's Jerry Rice. I'm like, no way, Jerry Rice is there. And he's like, so you're from Canada, huh? What's it like? (laughs) And that was where I met Jerry. And then uh, Terrell, his locker was, like, right next to mine uh, during the season. And that was, like, a total murderer's row of, of like, all, like, of amazing players. Like, you had Eric Carter from the CFL. You had Eric Anthony. Uh, Eric Anthony, was it? DB from Saskatchewan. He was down there. Uh, you know, oh, my God. We had the 99. We had uh, – Oh, I can't remember. We had, like, at least, oh, Calvin Pope was there. Uh, Big Daddy Pope was there. So we had, like, five. Charles Anthony from Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Charles Anthony was there. So we had a bunch of guys from the CFL, and I was thinking, dude, I'm going to get cut because these guys are good. Mm-hmm. You know, and then not to mention all, you know, Chris Dolman, you know, those sorts of guys. I mean, Gary Plummer. I mean, we had so many players. It was it was it was like a who's who. Yeah, I, I managed to stick around for the year, so it was good. Bryant Young comes to mind. Uh, Ken Norton Jr., another yeah. guy. <laughs> great, uh, great oh, roster. Yeah. He would uh, Kenny would make me drive him and Gary Plummer to the games because <laughs> I was the rookie, supposedly to them. And then Bryant Young actually he called me. He called me before oh, after. I think he called me after or during the Hall of Fame, during his Hall of Fame uh, event where he was, you know, and and it was like, I was like, who is this? And I heard the deep voice and he said something really crazy. And I was like, who's this? And he's like, it's Brian Young. I was like, oh my God, Brian, how are you? And it was just like, he was just calling to say, hey, because we have, my fraternity brother is uh, works in the NFL and we just, you know, it was, it's just, it was a long, it's a very long story, but it was funny because I was like, he asked me, where's Brian Young? I go, dude, if you don't know, I don't know. And <laughs> next thing you know, Brian Young is calling me going, hey, Dave, how are you doing? I heard great things about you and the kids up there and what's going on. It was so cool to hear from him. That's pretty funny. Uh, so when you came back to the CFL, you played for the Lions and Bombers before finishing your career with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. You know, when you think back on your time with the Rough Riders, what do you cherish the most? Oh, you know what? Um, the only thing that sucked 
I'll first tell you the only thing that sucked was we had the new turf that everyone uses now was in Winnipeg. So for a guy who was, I was way over getting up there in miles, uh, that was like a godsend. And then to come back to the, it was new turf, but it was like, you know, the old generation of turf. It was like, oh my God, my body's killing me again. But the fan support was unreal. Like, I had never been in a place where, like, for instance, I went to an art store somewhere downtown, grabbed some stuff for, like, doodling and, and during class. And, uh, and I remember the lady behind the counter just busted me out. And I wasn't wearing any rider gear. And she's like, Dave Benefield, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, she's like, can I help you? I was like, yeah. And, and it's like, it's, it wasn't a sporting goods store. It wasn't just a normal retail store. It was like that place. Where was that art store? It's like, it had an old bus uh, that was like, that was like some old bus that they had parked out front. But it was like an art store and she totally recognized me. I, I thought I was all undercover and everything, but no, she knew exactly who I was. So I think the fans made it worthwhile made it so worthwhile more than anything else and um and our president and uh and roy and just i think i was who was that jeff was that jeff was that hobson hobson yeah jim hobson yeah jim hobson jim hobson was the guy yeah and you know it was just it was a very cool time i mean just but the fans and the energy made it made it just i mean my body was killing me at that point so it, that's the fans made it possible to go out there and give it for yeah. those last two years hey man thank you for giving us a few minutes today on where are they now wednesday and uh all the best to your son we're going to be watching for him uh coming up here within the next four years uh that's very exciting so uh once again best of luck to yourself and your son and your daughter hope to hear from you soon Sure, buddy. And um, if anyone, oh, I got to say, if anyone if anyone has kids that are looking to get in the NCA, you can reach me at Actuate Agency. We're at Actuate Agency, and we, we help a lot of kids and parents especially navigate and try to get into the NCAA and, and also youth sports. Awesome. Well, there you go. There you have it. David Benefield, former Saskatchewan Rough Rider, joining us today on the Western Pizza Hotline. Thanks, David. Hey, thank you. Have a great one. David Benefield, former rider on Where Are They Now? Wrapping up the show on the other side, you're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. This Day in Sports History, brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln on the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. June 21st, 1986, 1985 Heisman Trophy winner. Bo Jackson signs a three-year contract to play baseball with the Kansas City Royals. And is this true, Blaine? It's also the anniversary of Bo Jackson absolutely 
smashing a bat over his head. 34 years ago today, yes, he ter- took that bat and whoosh, over top of his head, he crushed it in half. I'm trying to do some quick math as I bring out my calculator. You're going to so. say what year? 1989. Okay, you save me a couple seconds. <laughs> 1989. 1989, that is uh, the year that Bo Jackson uh, literally broke the lumber over his head. 1989. <sighs> Did the Oakland Athletics win the World Series that year? I think they beat the San Francisco Giants. No, is, is that the earthquake? Yeah, I believe it was the earthquake. That's the earthquake World Series, isn't it? Because 1990 was Oakland and Cincinnati, which is, <laughs> for mm. when you look at this year's teams, you know. <laughs> 1991 was Minnesota Twins, I Oh, believe. yeah. I remember that game seven, Jack Morris, 10 mm-hmm. innings. You'll never see that any anymore, a pitcher go 10 innings in a game. Yeah. 92. I wonder what 92 was. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, Blue, the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays beat the uh, the Braves, sorry. And then 1993 is when the Blue Jays beat the Philadelphia Phillies uh, with Joe Carter's big. Touch them all, Joe. You will never hit a bigger home run in your life. And nothing's happened since. Yeah, nothing's happened <laughs> yeah, since. Yeah, the Blue Jays. Nothing's well, ha- I forgot. Jose Batista's yeah. bat flip. That was a nice little bat flip, you know, a little. They've been kind of wetting their appetite in the playoffs uh, the past. Oh, I don't know, 10, 10 years-ish. Can't really seem to get over the hump, though. It was so close that one year, Blaine. Oh, it makes me sick thinking about it. Uh, I, Kansas City got eliminated by, uh, eliminated by Kansas City the one year and yeah. then eliminated by Cleveland the other year. Uh, Cleveland went on to lose against the Cubs that year. Yeah. Kansas City went on to win the World Series yeah. the year that uh, they beat the Blue Jays. Just so close. I mean, we're talking like American League Championship Series. Like, are you kidding me? That's so close to Jays oh. were until from making the World Series again. It's just like crazy to think about, you know, because here we are, uh, 2023. I just hope, you know, that we won't this generation won't turn into like those Chicago Cubs fans that waited or some of them never even got yeah. to see them yeah. win the World Series yeah. or a lot I shouldn't say some a lot yeah, a, a good lot, chunk <laughs> like the majority of Cubs fans ever never got to see their team win the World Series yeah and I just hope that that's not the case for our Toronto like I was I was 1 year old when they won the World Series I was one and two years old when they won their World Series. How old were you? I was a little bit older than that. Yeah. I do remember. Do you that. remember watching it? Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember watching both of those series. Yep, definitely. Oh, I envy you. I am jealous. Well, there's some things. I envy. You know, we want to talk about the back, backside of that age. I might envy you. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> hey, man, that's one thing I've always, like, I literally have had dreams about just watching the Toronto Blue Jays in the World Series. Hey, maybe it will happen. They're on the right track, huh? 6-3 win over the Marlins today. Today, let's go. We uh, chatted with uh, Ben Wagner, the voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, to kick off hour two. He was about to hop on the charter flight back uh, home to Toronto. So big thanks once again to Ben Wagner for joining us. We've had a great show today, man, and it's been a fun three days. Uh, Chad Kelly, the quarterback of the Toronto Argonauts, joined us at 3.30. That was a fun conversation. Dave Poulin joined us uh, to begin this hour, TSN Hockey Analyst former Philadelphia Flyer, 
and David Benefield just a few minutes ago. That was a pretty fun conversation that uh, we had with David Benefield. You must have liked that. Blaine being a San Francisco 49ers fan, hearing some Niners stories, huh? I was pretty blown away with that story about Brian Young calling him during his Hall of Fame uh, induction. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, then how about uh, Jerry Rice approaching him, saying, hey, you're that guy from Canada, aren't you? The GOAT. Yeah, the GOAT That's my GOAT. That's my GOAT. That's my GOAT, Jerry Rice. I know a lot of people say Tom Brady, but... No, it's it's Jerry Rice. I still think it's Jerry Rice. If I'm going to hang my hat on one thing, you know, at the end of my sports life, I'm going to hang my hat on the fact that I got to meet the GOAT Jerry Rice once. What? Uh, yeah, I did. I have a picture of it. What? Uh, I, when, I, when I was in Las Vegas playing. <laughs> oh, you and you got, yeah, when I was in Vegas for their autograph sign, it was Emmett Smith who was there oh, at the yeah. Field of Dreams. At that, uh, that yeah. Tri-Sports, yeah. whatever it's called. I missed a month because he's just, yeah, he's signing, uh, I think, next weekend or the weekend after. But yeah, Emmett Smith was the week was in Vegas the weekend I was there. Trust me. Oh, I mean, when I saw Jerry Rice from the same section when I was in uh, San Francisco in uh, last December, Good God, I was one happy guy, I tell you. Is that your favorite player of all time? All time, yeah. Yeah? All time, definitely. Yeah. The the one thing about it was when I met Jerry Rice, you had to buy like a an 8x10 picture, and the 8x10 picture was like $200. <laughs> so I was like, I could have, you know, you could technically just print one of these off, and get, but, but you had to buy something in order for, you know, yeah. Jerry to sign it. But at the end of the day, 100% worth it as I... I'm scrolling through my my Facebook right now because I want to show you the picture because I don't I don't want you to think I'm a liar here. This is a Green uh, Bay Packer fan, a liar. Nah, no, that no, can't never, be possible. Never, eh? man. Uh, might have to show you off the air because it's not uh, popping up. <laughs> Plain's I'll, like, yeah, you are a liar, aren't you? No, but uh, that, that was a fun time. I actually went to Vegas to watch. Uh, oh, there it is. The man. Yeah. Holy cow, you look a little younger uh, there. Yeah, I'm a young, young puppy. Fresh w- face. Yeah, I went to Vegas to watch a a, a boxing event. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I saw uh, uh, Sergey Kovalev take on some no-name. Knocked him out yeah. like the first round, I think it was, at Mandalay Bay. That was a fun event. I seen Ronda Rousey in uh, Vegas when she was in the middle of her run there. and she It was the first time she ever made it past the first round, but then oh. she won in the second round. Who was that against again? I want to say Sarah McMahon. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I, I remember that one. I yeah, remember Blaine, a... Blaine Wyland was in attendance. That's pretty sweet. Where yeah, where that, were you sitting? That was, I was right by the entranceway, like midway up. Uh, like yeah, that was an MGM, I believe. So Ooh. it was kind of right by the entrance where they walked out there. Yeah, uh, the best seats I ever had for uh, MMA was in Vancouver. That was during the riot. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't there for the riot. Well, I wasn't meant you to be there for. You didn't partake in the riot. I didn't. Blaine. I didn't. Okay, I just observed <laughs> from a distance. Uh, but uh, I had first row upper deck because that card was supposed to be Brock Lesnar versus uh, Junior Dos Santos, and then Ooh. Brock Lesnar got hurt. So then I ended up with Shane Carwin and Junior. Dos yeah, <laughs> I wish I could feel the pain, you yeah, know? Like, I know. Hey, we got 30 seconds left since we're talking some great memories here. What's your favorite sporting event you've ever been to? Oh, God. If you had to pick one game or one fight, one match. And you put me on the spot here with 30 seconds left. Favorite sporting game I ever been Feel free to? to go over. We got 2013 Great Cup. 
2013 Grey Cup? I think that's got to be up there for the one, you know, yeah. especially when you consider the sentimental factors. I think that has yeah. to be it. And that's it for today's show. It was a fun one. Once again, if you missed any of our conversations today, you can find it on demand wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, the podcast will be up and loaded here in about uh, 15 to 20 minutes from now. So uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Michael Ball back in the big chair tomorrow. You have been listening to the Sports Cage on this Wednesday on 620 CKRM. Today's Sports Cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.